Hi there and welcome to The Brave, a podcast all about resilience and dealing with the challenges and complexity of life in the 21st century. Episode to episode, we uncover what it takes to be adaptable and robust in this age of constant change and upheaval. Now, before we get stuck into this week's episode, just a few pieces of, I guess, housekeeping for you. So if you don't follow us already, we are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you just type in the Brave Listen, we share bits of um, additional content, some interesting articles we come across. And just generally, that's a good way to keep updated on what's happening with the podcast. We also have a newsletter, which is on Substack. So if you go on Substack and type in The Brave, you'll find us on there. I write that every week. And it's a mixture of kind of my own thoughts around the future and how do we deal with the fact that the world is a little bit crazy at the moment. I'm not going to lie. And also I share links in there of interesting articles I've come across that hopefully will be useful, engaging and informative for you as well. And final bit of housekeeping. If you haven't already, I would be absolutely so, so grateful if you could leave a rating and or a review on the podcast on the platform of your choice. It just basically means that more people get to find out about the podcast if it's rated highly because it gets recommended more and I get some feedback that this is actually useful slash interesting for you. So thank you so much if you do do that. Now, on to this week's episode, which is about money. It is about finances. It is about, I guess, protecting your financial future. And before we get stuck into anything, the big caveat is that I am not a financial advisor. Everything I say in this episode is not uh, advice that you have to absolutely follow and you should follow. It's just my thoughts on some of the things that have worked for me and some of the things I'm planning to do. So caveats aside, this is not official advice. Um, But really what prompted this episode is the fact that I think we're going through a period of massive economic uncertainty. Uh, The stock market is wild at the moment and actually increasing in value while other parts of the economy are very hard hit by the current pandemic. Obviously that has sent shockwaves throughout everyone's lives, mine included, and I've just been thinking about how to get my financial house in order to be able to ride out any shockwaves that may continue to come, any disruptions that may come in the future. I'm very lucky that I have a stable job, my partner has a stable job, but you never know. I think that's the thing about the future, you never know what's going to happen. So just to give you a sense of kind of, I guess, my financial history, because that's what a lot of my thoughts are based on, how I've managed money in the past. So I graduated university in 2013, um, not quite into the post-recession, you know, 2008 recession dip, but still it was a very difficult environment, I think, for a lot of people who were graduating. I was quite lucky that I'd worked before and during university, so I had, A, saved up a little bit of money, and also I'd only ever taken out half the student loan, so I think I only ever took out the maintenance grant, which I think was about £3,000 a year. So I had a debt when I graduated, I think, of about £15,000 to £16,000, which is a bit less than the average student debt. Now, here in the UK, especially, I was on what's called Plan 2. So I paid, like I said, £3,000 a year and I was on a reasonable interest rate because of that. I think it's 0.5% over baseline. It's not massive is what I'm trying to say. That debt is kind of not really a debt in some ways. It's something that I pay off my salary each month almost as a tax. I never expect that debt to balloon into an unsustainable amount. I've been slowly chipping away and paying it down. I think I will have paid it off in about three to five years, depending on kind of what calculations I use. So it's not necessarily a 
bad debt in the sense that it's going to become unmanageable and never going to be able to pay it off. Now, in terms of other debt, I've I've had a little bit on credit cards in the past. That's all been paid off now. And I've never really tried to take out loans or massive amounts of credit just because my attitude towards the risk of debt has always been very conservative. And I've never had anything that I wanted to pay for with debt that I felt that would offer a big enough return to be worth paying for it using debt, if that makes sense. I've always tried to save up the cash, have that in my bank account and pay for it. So I've paid for things like cars using cash and I'm actually about to buy a house. So that obviously is debt. I'm taking on a mortgage, but I've been quite conservative in the amount of borrowing and also try to put down a really big down initial payment, down payment on that to reduce my risk essentially in that. So that's always been my attitude towards debt. Very conservative. I think it saved me from a couple of headaches. It has meant that I've had to scale back my lifestyle sometimes, especially very early on in my 20s, where I I think I worked out at one point my household income for the year was like £8,000, and that was interesting. We ate a lot of reduced kale that year, but I've never tried to supplement my income with debt, if that makes sense, and I do think that has worked out well for me it's again just meant not many sleepless nights thinking about money I think I'd have been a lot more stressed if I had a low income and lots of debt so I think this is advice you get a lot from financial advisors and generally from kind of financial media advice media is try not to take on too much debt and I would absolutely agree with that from personal experience so I think that the the second thing I'm trying to do and I'm tr- I've tried to do in the past is to understand my full financial landscape and because of the prevalence of financial apps so you've got like Monzo, Revolut and all of these various fintech products out there obviously various banks traditional banks out there as well you can get into a situation where you've got a lot of accounts over multiple providers and I definitely had that in the past so I've not necessarily always consolidated them down into one, but I've tried to make sure I understand where all my money is. So recently, actually, I got a letter through about a pension pot I had from a job ages ago that's private pension that I'm like, oh, okay, I had no idea that was there. And it's actually losing value because I'm paying fees on quite a small amount. So I'm going to try and aggregate that back into another pension I have just to make sure that I'm not losing money. And if I didn't, know that was happening or I hadn't been alerted to that I would probably continue losing money so do a bit of an audit of your finances sit down understand where all of your money is 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 that in a savings account that's earning a high rate of interest so I've had lots of notifications in the past kind of couple of months about all my savings accounts basically the interest is being massively cut so that's prompted me to look at reallocating them to potentially higher interest accounts Or actually, in my case, I decided, you know what, buying a house and putting it down as more of a deposit makes more sense in a low interest environment. But again, that is a calculation you can do. I would advise if if you really have, (laughs) if you're very lucky and you have a lot of money in a lot of different accounts, get some professional financial advice. That is always very useful and they will give you kind of their opinion. Well, it'd be more than an opinion because it's financial advice you're paying for, but better ways of making your money work for you. So do understand your total financial landscape on the kind of long term view there. So where all of your money is, but also month to month, make sure you at least have an understanding of where your income is coming in from and where your outgoings are going out from. So again, fintech apps, like I use Monzo for this and it's it's great because you can set up 
different categories for spending and seeing how you're tracking against that. So um, my takeaway spending recently has been pretty large, <laughs> but you know, you can get a sense of where, where your money's coming in, where your money's going out, and then look to where essentially you can cut down spend or, you know, are you not spending that much money on one area? And in some cases you may want to spend more. I don't know. That's completely up to you. But it's important to understand both that long-term view and that short-term month-to-month, week-to-week view of where your money is and how it's being spent. And this brings me on nicely to, you know, one of the people talk about, okay, how do I have more money? And my, my question would be, okay, why do you need more money? You know, and some people will absolutely be in financial distress and, I guess I, it's really hard for me to give advice for that kind of context because it, I think it's such a personal thing and I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm focusing more in this episode on people who aren't absolutely in financial distress but they're trying to make their money work better for them. So basically there are two ways you can have more money. You can improve your earnings or you can reduce what you spend and save more. And in terms of kind of improving earnings, I guess... What, what you need to do is, you know, you people say, oh, just go and ask for a raise from your job. Okay, that's fine. That's a strategy. But you need to be able to justify why you deserve a raise or why your employer should pay you more. Have you built up your skill sets? Have you delivered more work, taken on more responsibility? So it's not as simple as just going in and asking for more money. You've got to justify that. A lot of people also say one of the best ways of including of improving your income is to change jobs. Generally, you can negotiate for a higher salary that way. My experience of that has been mixed. I think if you are if you really have performed well at your current role, you should be able to make a solid case for a salary increase. Um, and if you can't make a case, then potentially you need to go away and look at how do you add more value to that company? Because essentially that's that's what the company is trying to assess is, you know, how are you adding value to us? And, you know, how should we remunerate that value? So you need to go away and think about that. And again, building your skills, I think that's a wonderful thing to do anyway for your career longevity. I've actually been reading a wonderful book called Forever Employable, which talks about, you know, how do you set up your career to work for the long term whether you're self-employed or employed by an employer and I will link that in the um, description just so you can check out that book because actually that's been very useful so you can also do you know the whole side hustle thing and do you know try and earn income on the side I think with that my advice to you would be is to look at whether that's worth it I mean you know, if, if you're earning an extra £100 a month for doing some, I don't know, side consulting, but it's taking up all of your evenings and all of your weekends, that may not be worth it. Again, that's a time to uh, value consideration you have to make for you, which I cannot make for you. But for me, you know, my time is very important. So I do, I do value my time very highly. So in terms of kind of reducing spend, obviously, that's the other strategy you can do. My advice for that is, again, use kind of the data to lead the way. So make sure you do have that overview of your finances. Like I said, I use Monzo. So I have these kind of, I almost have this budget that I try and stick to for certain categories. So I try and spend not too much on things like, I guess, clothes and makeup and all the stuff that you can you can spend a lot on without realising. And if I have notifications in place that tell me, OK, you've spent all of your beauty budget for this month, that's really useful because then I know to rein it in a little bit. But just really dissect what you spend. You know, the other day I realised I was paying for like four streaming services. So like Netflix, Prime, 
was like Disney Plus and then there was something else as well and I was, I was just there like I don't need all of this I know it's locked down and we're watching more TV but I definitely don't need all of these I'm going to prioritise and I kept two of them and I'll probably cut that down to one so you know those are the types of kind of I guess conversations you can have with yourself but also with your partner or whoever else you're involved with financially to understand where you can cut and I think people feel cutting is a bit punitive but actually sometimes it can be quite freeing in a way um you've you almost feel like you know if you're reducing spending especially on physical things that you have to like maintain or worry about so for example I used to spend a lot of money on like handbags and and those type of items but I would find a I'd run out of storage for them b I couldn't wear them all the time and then I felt guilty that I wasn't using them enough and also actually because I was spending a lot of money on a lot of not so good pieces they were falling apart really quickly so again it felt like a waste of money so my strategy then became okay I'm going to spend less on higher quality items and buy like one a year and that's reduced my storage costs I don't have to worry about it as much and I actually get things that are gonna last for a long time they're better for the environment and they're better for my mental space you know I don't have so much clutter and I think clutter of things can clutter the mind actually so definitely look at where you can cut and my final point on kind of reducing your spend would be everything is negotiable so you know if you've got gas utility bills up for renewal negotiate with your provider get quotes from other providers and really if you want to stick with the provider hammer them down using these other quotes or go somewhere that's cheaper and even in shops you can do this not always but you know I've done this in the past where I found a dress I really liked it's the only one left in my size but it's got you know a button missing or it's got a small rip which I know I can repair at home I've actually gone up to the counter and been like look can you do something about this I'll take this because it's in their interest to shift the stock at the end of the day businesses survive by selling stuff and you get a little bit off it as well and finally secondhand as well as well is an amazing way of finding bargains and it's something I've been enjoying a lot more I think it 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 almost kind of um plays into the hunter-gatherer vibes uh I've I've definitely enjoyed kind of trawling through things and finding those hidden gems taking them home doing something with them I've with clothes especially I found I found like a Burberry trench coat that was like 20 quid which was yeah that was a steal but Everything is negotiable. Try and look for cheaper alternatives, but you don't necessarily always have to compromise on quality for that. Second hand is amazing. Next, saving. So this is something in terms of kind of financial resilience, everyone always talks about you should have, you know, six months of income in a savings account. Again, that's not always possible for everyone. Um, and I think it's kind of for save as much as you can should really be your mantra without absolutely destroying your quality of life and I appreciate for a lot of people it is really hard to save if you've got rent if you've got bills you know some people I know in London are spending like a third of their income on rent which is it's just not really well conducive to savings shall we say that but you know what I do well what I started doing that actually made me save more was my old strategy used to be at the end of the month I would look what was in my account before the day before I got paid and sweep all of that into savings so I was only ever saving what was kind of left over and it wasn't really a thought about process so some months it could be like 20 quid some months it could be a lot more and that didn't really work for me I wasn't saving that much because actually it got me in the mindset of like okay spend everything everything in your current account is fair game um, and spend it, spend it all. And at the end of the month, whatever's left over, yeah, we'll just save that. So I've moved to saving at the beginning of the month. So when I'm paid, I take a proportion of that. 
I have various different kind of automated savings that happen, so it's not tedious for me at all. And that's something you can set up on your banking apps, on your fintech apps, and essentially it just pulls this money that I've decided, you know, for some people it might be 10% of their, their take home. For some people, you know, it might be as much as 50% if they feel comfortable with that. And I basically have it all automated so it comes out of my account and what is left in my current account is what I can spend. And it does rein me in, which, you know, sometimes that's a bit sad because I can't buy everything I want to buy, but it makes me a lot more, I guess, cautious with my money, which is, I think, kind of the point I'm trying to get at, really. It makes me a lot more, I only spend what I have and I make sure that saving is prioritised above everything else because I know it's important to have savings. So I think save as much as you can. I'm not going to give you the advice of like save six months worth of salary or whatever because that's for some people it's just not sustainable. But do you have a strategy in place for saving? Don't leave it up to accident really, which is what I was doing before. It was just kind of accidental. Whatever was in the account at the end, fine, we'll sweep that in. So in terms of kind of, I've talked a lot about savings and checking your finances, but in terms of spending money, how should you spend money? My opinion, and again, all of this is opinion, as I've said, has always been that it's important to buy what you need, but really assess the things you want and why you want them. And over the past kind of year, I've definitely really stopped spending on things that I want. And what I've done is I've also, I've and what I've done is I've almost made, you know, when I see something I really like, I will put it on a list somewhere, on a wish list, and I will wait to see if I really want it. You know, wait a month, wait two months for one thing. I recently bought a fan for my house that I'd been planning to buy for like six months. And it took six months of every kind of other week being like, gosh, I really wish I had a fan to convince me that I needed it. But you know, I knew it was a purchase that I was going to use again and again. I demonstrated that I did need it. It wasn't just a whim. So, you know, do delay your purchases if you can. Make sure it's something you absolutely want. And also, I, I understand that some people really want to live a certain lifestyle. And I would never judge people for that, you know, for wanting fancy cars, fancy houses, fancy clothes. You know, as I said, my particular crux is handbags. But... I've, I do think that one of the most powerful things you can do is to kind of remove yourself at least a bit from that mentality. So, for example, I drive a pretty... It's not a NAF car. I love my car, but it's not a fancy car. I drive a Skoda Fabia, and it does everything I need to do. It's very cheap to run, very cheap on tax, and it's very comfortable as well. That was a big factor to me. And it's not going to make anyone look at me as I drive past but it does the job and I don't really care about having you know a Mercedes or whatever that's just something that's not important to me and it's something I'm willing to I'm willing to almost trade down on that to have things in other areas of my life more handbags <laughs> but you know I've tried to decouple myself from what other people think about the things I buy and that's really difficult to do but if you can start doing that and, and almost think to yourself do I want this because I want this or I want other people to see that I have this that's a really powerful question you can ask yourself and then finally I think in terms of kind of investing and I don't really want to touch too much on investing because again I think that's an area you really should make your own decisions in you should get your own advice in and I'm not an expert in at all. 
But my strategy for investing, especially in stocks and shares and slightly more volatile things like cryptocurrency, has always been to only spend what I can afford or only risk what I can afford. And that that means I do have, you know, when I talked about I have a percentage going into savings each month, I have a small percentage of that percentage that does go into riskier investments where I know if that money disappeared, I would not suffer. I would not be bankrupt. I would not be missing out on loads and loads of stuff. And for some people that might be like 10 quid and that's absolutely fine. For some people it might be more, but really only risk what you can afford. And again, don't try and get yourselves in loads of debt to finance risk. That would be another thing as well. And also really the final point on investing is I always try and think long term. If I, well, I have been looking at, so Moneybox is one of the apps I use over the past kind of couple of months. And I remember one day I looked at it and it was like, your investments are down 20%. Because I I invest in the high risk category in Moneybox just because, again, I'm only risking what I can afford. And I remember thinking like, oh, crap, maybe I should pull out of this. But then, you know, they actually have messages within the app that were reiterating this. But, you know, an investment is going to go up and down on a kind of short term basis. You know, you're going to have days where it performs better or worse. But it's about that long term performance. And the money I've got in Moneybox, you know, I'm not expecting to pull out tomorrow. I want to keep it in there for five years, ten years. And that's the time scale I'm looking at. So these kind of short term blips, yes, are really scary. I mean, it's really scary to go in and look that, you know, you've lost 20% of the value of your stocks and shares. But in terms of the long term, hopefully, and it's not ever guaranteed, but hopefully those kind of troughs, peaks will balance out into a return. And finally, my final point is there's no better time to invest in your future than now. This kind of links in with risking what you can afford but I do think it's important to do do invest in the stock market do invest in slightly less safe investments from the sense of they're not a savings account or the guaranteed interest rate I think women in particular are very risk averse and a lot of the data backs this up and don't invest into markets but if you do it you know if you have a strategy in place that's about risk mitigation you know you've you're comfortable with what you're risking do start doing it it's it's kind of fun in a way um but try not to get hooked on it too much so it becomes almost like gambling that would be um a piece of advice i would give but also in terms of kind of investing in your future the final thing i'd, I'd like to bring up is kind of pensions and thinking about you know it's all well and good living for now buying things for now but there will come a point when you will not be able to work or you won't want to work And you need to make sure you have a solid plan in place for that time. And the earlier you save money into your pension, I wish I'd started 10 years ago. I'd I'd had a little bit, but not really with any kind of thought about it. But, you know, the earlier you save, the more time that money has to accrue value. So the power of compound interest, uh, as Einstein says, is uh, the biggest force in the universe, I think is the quote. But, you know, the earlier you do that and think about your future, the more time you have to save, the more money you'll have for that future as well. So do think about the future now. I know it's really scary. You know, when I think about retiring, I kind of go, oh, well, I'll never retire. You know, I'll never stop working. I love working. But there will be a point where, you know, it might be when I'm 70, it might be when I'm 80, but I won't want to work anymore. So do think about that now. Well, that is the end of the episode. I hope it was interesting. I hope it was useful. As I said, none of this is professional advice. It is just my opinion, 
my thoughts on what I do to manage my finances and make sure that they are robust in the face of economic uncertainty. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you again in our next episode.